This is Slashers, your new favorite podcast about your new favorite horror media. My name is Jake, and with me, as always, is my esteemed colleague, co-host, and cohort, Doug. Say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. Hello, all you mutant goons from beyond. We got a great uh, show lined up for you today. Some real uh, humdingers. Dude, I'm so excited. I, you know, after we sent out the feelers, you know, we had sent out the pilot episode, and, uh, you know, I had just lost four episodes, including, you know, one with my little brother i lost our q a i lost all this stuff Ooh. i was tepid and i was like ah, my ego needs something unanimously all super positive stuff the, the only thing that people were critical of is that we weren't talking movies but hey we will talk movies gang i just don't want to be the guy who reiterates them and doug has a movie i got a movie this is going to be a fun show i'm really excited about it yeah yeah i mean not everything uh, has to be about movies i mean like i said it's, it's opening up a new horizon for viewers to listen to and to to get you all interested because I'm sure a lot of people never played like like Deidus before and that was the first time I actually looked at it after we talked about it. Yeah, so. dude, it was a lot of fun. I've played it now. I've gotten four of the endings and then I cheated and looked on YouTube because people had posted all the 11. <laughs> so it was fine. No big deal. Right now, I'm actually uh, playing uh, Dragon Warrior Monsters from Game Boy Color. Have you ever played that game? I never have. No, I got to dig more into the Game Boy uh, system here just because I, I played a few of the Game Boy games, but it's mostly been PS1 for me and NES. So, so. fun fact, they actually did put it out on PS1, but it was in Japanese. And there have been people who were working on a translation for 10 years that ultimately quit. And there's like half of a translation translation out there which is kind of heartbreaking but i used to play this game when i was a kid and i remember even then even as a kid i was this fucking schmucky contrarian who loved easter egg shit and like the fringe <laughs> and i remember going to my friends and be like well you know pokemon it's fine but i think that it's superior that you have dragon warrior monsters because you can breed your monsters and have them and people were like oh so you just you want to watch monsters fuck and i was like that's beside the point <laughs> <laughs> well i mean there's plenty of pokemon hentai out there for you i got to check out this game now <laughs> yeah so the game is a spin-off of dragon quest which akira toriyama did oh mind you everyone this isn't my segment for the show i know you're probably like you just said it was a movie fuck off don't correct me i'm just <laughs> this is banter this is what you pay for but uh yeah so of course i found the game because akira toriyama is the guy who did dragon ball and then i played those and then i i went off on this fringe and then you know you're this little kid who goes into this dream world and you train monsters to fight each other that's all it is but like like the designs are super fun. Like there's zombies. There's I think one was called like a putra pup, which is like a wolf that's eye is falling out of its head. Highly recommend. Ooh, I definitely got to check this out now. A, a wolf with an eye falling out of its head. Yeah, I, I'm big on the Game Boy subreddit. I really enjoy it. You know, I don't give a fuck how many times I've seen somebody be like, oh, I installed a backlit screen on my Game Boy. And I'm like, yep, that's still cool every time. And so this <laughs> month they did, you know, they pick out a game every month to get people playing and coordinate and stuff. And they have a giveaway they plan. And I saw Dragon Warrior Monsters. like, man, I haven't fucking thought of that game in 30 years. Not really, 20 years. And then net low and behold here i am four hours into a new playthrough and i'm like how the fuck like i i shouldn't have time to be four hours into a playthrough of anything but that's what nostalgia will do for you oh it will <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely have to look that up then you've been doing anything fun with your spare time well actually i've been really busy here i got a the whole thing with this new episode that i shot i broke a tv for this new episode oh for, shit on, uh, on purpose tv for the roku well it fell off uh, when we had a small little earthquake it must have broke the little uh, piece in the back there because yeah. i was going to clean it and dust it and the whole thing just came falling down. I'm sorry, dude. I blame the movie I watched, but it's fine. I bought like a cheapo TCL Roku TV. So, well, I have something fine. to confess to you, Dougie boy. What's up? What's up? I bought a Roku just to support B Movie TV and your program. Oh shit! Well, that that's uh, some real exciting news here. So there's B Movie TV, which is the the live channel. Yeah. And there's B Movie TV on demand, which you can kind of watch older shows that uh, you missed live. So that's awesome. I'm, I'm excited. Let me. Know when you get that set up and so your stuff is also in the on-demand section because you're literally the only thing i bought a roku for I, I even googled like what is on roku and i was like i don't give a fuck except for dark well, 
Well, actually, the Roku has a lot of like uh, underground channels. So, for example, if you wanted to watch something obscure, like to like, oh, Mikey, or I want to watch uh, Men Be- Behind the Sun three or something. There's channels that have those movies there. Granted, there's ads, but but those movies exist on these like hidden channels. They're like like weird little channels from Russia, but they have that movie on. Hell you yeah, watch it for free. Ruskies so. can fuck up any election they want, so long as they give me pirated content. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like you can do whatever you want. Just give me Men Behind the Sun Part Three, <laughs> dude. I uh, not to sound like anime dork i fuck last year this same time last year when we were reviewing vampire hunter d i was like man i hate anime blah blah i never want to get obsessed but i i went and watched all of dragon ball z all of dragon ball super and then i had read on reddit people were like man the the manga is so good and i was like i don't know what the fuck manga is so on some russian torrenting site i fucking got this dragon ball super and it's like 10 times better than the stupid show so thank you russia now i had like a i tried to talk to my wife but i was like oh so there's a there's idiosyncratic changes in the manga to the tv show she's like i don't give a fuck you little cuck boy and yeah that's my life now <laughs> wow, my well, i gotta now. give you credit you watch all dragon ball z episodes that's crazy so i watched it as dragon ball z kai which admittedly cuts out all of the filler unfortunately the fun filler like when goku and piccolo learn to drive and stuff but uh you know it was i've been working from home or i've been working in my office you know those who know my career before before the pandemic i would be driving fuck like six hours a day on average sometimes between different courts and so i couldn't watch anything because i was you know obviously eyes on the road so now you know i at least have two monitors if not three at work because i'm reviewing documents i have my emails i have my pleadings i have all that stuff and so just in a little corner i'll just put on something in the background and yeah dude i've had so much office time that i plowed through all of z i plowed through every episode of super after episode 29 because apparently the like resurrection f and battle of the gods those two movies they stretched out into 29 episodes and i don't have the patience for it and then i i only read the manga from the what is it the tournament of power and that shit's like okay there's two little differences and let me did you ever dragon ball are you a dragon ball at all Uh, i've seen bits and pieces i usually watch those on like cartoon network stuff (laughs) so you'll at least you'll know the names i'm talking about here so there's gohan right you remember the little Mm -hmm. goku's kid yeah he's fucking as a kid he's super annoying but he gets trained by piccolo and so in the manga he wears piccolo's gi in the anime he wears his dad's gi and his dad is like notoriously the shittiest parent of all time ever ever and so i was like that's a great little difference in you know just a slight change and then you know pervo boy master roshi master roshi yeah yeah i know him (laughs) so in the the manga he actually like teaches goku how to reach like this next level called ultra instinct kind of and it's it's so cool that this guy who's been this like the butt of every joke as this like pervy weirdo ends up with his like master savant of martial arts you know like your drunken master in the forest this weird perfection to it i don't know i loved it i thought it was great i tried to tell my wife couldn't have cared less <laughs> uh well i'm sure all the viewers out there are, are taking up the pride that your wife didn't give you so. thank you yeah so what's your favorite comic that you've ever read any genre manga otherwise well the thing is i never got too much into uh anime my favorite just just kind of comic i read it was back in high school and i still have it i was digging through my drawers here was uh johnny the homicidal maniac there you go from the creator of uh invader zim invader zim yeah so i'm sure i don't know what nickelodeon thought before they hired him they're like man did i read this guy's comic (laughs) yeah right it's so weird to think that like there wasn't a screening process but dude i was obsessed with invader zim forever Oh, yeah, I loved it because one of my favorite movies uh, still to this day is M- Mars Attacks. Yes. So I love like that. Uh, I love the cards, too, for Mars Attacks. And then I always loved alien invasion movies. So to see a cartoon uh, of an evil alien being the, uh, you know, the main guy, I thought that was pretty cool. Did you ever read Mars Attacks versus Judge Dredd? No, but I've seen the cover of that one. <laughs> so sexy. I love Judge Dredd. Like, it's so fun to me how so many people don't get the joke uh, as far as like the authoritarianism where people are like, oh, that makes so much sense. Like, I wish judges did stroll the streets i'm like no no the point is that that's a bad thing that's the totalitarian (laughs) dictatorship you don't want that but that takes the eloquence of the brits to make fun of us and parody us with mega city one (laughs) do you ever play the judge dread games well, there was one for Nintendo, right? NES? 
I don't remember. I think I may have had that one of the older ones like yeah, that. Yeah, that's the Stallone one. And then they did a Dreamcast and a PlayStation 1 version years later. And I have all of them. I don't know. I have all those. I have all the Rogue Troopers. I mean, I'm a weirdo for those kinds of like niche games, I guess. Mm, well, I used to like Cliffhanger for Sega Genesis. Maybe I was a yes, weird kid. Yes, dude. I remember my orthodontics office had Cliffhanger for Game Boy. And I remember shooting this gigantic bullet that was like a fucking barrel as this like bird was flying i remember thinking like this scene doesn't happen in the movie but i really loved that it was in the game oh yeah i'm sure they they reskinned the game that's usually what they did back then they yep. reskinned like an uh, a foreign game and just kind of put sylvester stallone on there or, or whoever the name was for that movie yeah <laughs> you know a lot of people criticize think it's super mario brothers 2 for being so different than the original that's because it's not the original in at least in north america the super mario brothers 2 was actually a different game that was made for like a promotional thing and they reskinned it like you said that's also there's like four characters and it was because north like they viewed it like the north american audience was just never going to appreciate this game because it was too difficult so i think they ended up releasing all the levels in the game as like mario the lost chapters years and years and years later but you know that's what you're exactly what you're saying like they just all they did is reskinned yeah it was called yume kojo doki doki panic mm, and, and that game does doesn't exist it was it was like a promotional game at first and they just reskinned it right exactly so it's okay. its own separate thing the characters look nothing alike but you know there's a one like each one plays slightly different and that's where you get you know i think it's that luigi slightly jumps higher but then he's kind of he like slips a little bit and mario's kind of the most balanced like that's exactly where that comes from is the characters for this promotional thing from the mm. 80s i mean how weird is that i, I mean it's pretty weird but uh i guess that's cheaper than having to remake a whole new game just reskin something you already have you know <laughs> exactly it makes perfect sense to me because honestly i am i i'm getting better at it but i am the king of rage quit where i'm like fuck this like playing super was super street fighter 4 with my buddy and he beat me and i was like you don't deserve to have beaten me and i was like mad and then i realized like <laughs> maybe i need to step back from gaming but you know as a guy who rage quits the last thing i want is a game where i'm playing as super mario and i'm like punching my screen yeah, I don't want to do that. Save that for uh, Beetlejuice on NES. I don't know if you played that one, but oh god, it. So. yeah, I actually, I've watched the Angry Video Game Nerd on it, and a lot of the ROM sites I go to like have it relatively high on their list of NES games, and I'm just like, why? Like that's just masochism. You just like want to suffer. Like like Silver Surfer. Like Norin Rad is one of my all time favorite comic book characters. The Herald of Galactus. Mm -hmm. You know Jack Kirby's one of his greatest creations. The penultimate. And I'm like, I'm not playing that fucking game. Like you're just not. I'm not going to do it. Even if I have cheats on, even if I have a dearth of time, I'm not going to sit there and slam my head against a wall for a game like that. Yeah, you want to know it's therapeutic though? I some, Like games that I hate, a lot of times the music, I love it and I'll just play it just for the music. If it's, you know, Now you can just kind of YouTube the music, but uh, I don't know. Back before you could YouTube things, I used to play it just to listen to music. So. Well, yeah, and then you're the guy who last episode was talking about PlayStation. You could play the soundtrack on track two. I, you can, yeah. So rad. But I will offer you this in terms of soundtracks for games, specifically Nintendo, Blaster Master, Master Blaster, Blaster Master. I think it was Blaster Ma or, yeah. or Master Blaster, right? Mas Master Blaster. And yeah. Oh no, Master Blasters. Yeah, Master Blasters from uh, Road, uh, Road Warrior 3. So Blaster Master was the first game I ever played where the music like evoked a sense of wonder in me. And then Russian Attack. Have you ever played Russian Attack? I have not. So it's spelled R-U-S-H apostrophe and attack and it's really exploiting like the cold war everywhere else in the world this game was released as green beret and you were freeing prisoners of war but in the united states it was that you were destroying the fucking rusky weapon of mass destruction but the opening track for that game rips so hard Mwah. Ooh, i'll have to check it out and that was for super nintendo or nintendo 64 og original nintendo oh really okay yeah, I inherited my dad's Nintendo because he was like 20 when I was born. So he had a bunch of like Contra, Russian Attack and all these games. And so that was like the formative experience of my life was playing these fucking games. And recently I talked to him like because I got my emulator. I'm like, oh, Pop, do you remember Russian Attack? He's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. He's like, that was just <laughs> something I did at one in the morning when I was in my 20s. Like, fuck off. And I'm like, oh, OK, sorry. My bad. My bad. I thought you were a nerd like me. You just been a poser this whole time. 
Uh, well, look what he created. He, now we're doing podcasts all these years later talking about that uh, the memory of the game. Seriously. <laughs> if you think I can talk about stuff I like at length in a long-winded and excited voice, you should hear my dad talk about Netflix right now. Bro, I've heard him do the same exact sales pitch that I should watch Grimm four times, and I'm just too nice to stop him. But it's adorable. Like That's a healthy addiction to have is Netflix. Yeah, oh yeah, it is. Especially now, you could be uh, you know, addicted to alcohol or uh, just going on drugs. So I see all these people getting addicted to stuff. So Netflix is a good addiction. Yeah, people fucking mainlining. Have you ever heard of Crocodile? Uh, Crocodile, yeah, yeah. In fact, um, I, I made a little parody of Crocodile in Don't Touch That Dial, the one that's on Troma, the film I did. Yeah. Yeah, b- but uh, yeah, Crocodile, you inject it into you and your skin starts melting off. Isn't that fucking nasty? So, I mean, I'll take Netflix over a synthetic methadone that ends up making your skin literally whiffed away like you're well, being snapped by Thanos in Endgame. Yeah, well, see, the stuff that was in in Crocodile, it was gasoline, like part, like some whatever stuff is in gasoline was inside there, so you're injecting fuel into your veins technically yeah and if you're not jason statham in one of the crank movies don't do that (laughs) (laughs) yeah you you don't want to have sex to recharge your heart in the the middle of a field i think that was crank or crank yeah (laughs) i and then it's uh he like he's not able to get it up and then like uh the asian schoolgirls show up and he's suddenly like dun 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 (laughs) yeah he got the harvey weinstein dick (laughs) oh he went there All right, Dougie boy, what do you have to present on this week? What are you sharing with the Slashers crew? Okay, well... We've had such a happy conversation of nostalgia and cherished memories. I may bring the mood down a bit. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but not too much here because I feel like this is a film that a lot of people can watch and it's very shocking, but here's the thing. Once you watch it, you'll make yourself feel better. It's like, oh man, I could be living you know, in, in there. I should be happy what I have here. But and the reason I'm talking about this film is because it is now available on Google Play for renting. So it is called Orozco the Embalmer. It's a, it's a, it was released in 2001 and it was, it was filmed around 1996, 97, 98, and then it was released in 2001. But uh, Orozco the Embalmer, it is a, I like to call it cinema verite. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Oh yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's all shot camcorder style and the director is Japanese and, and, uh, his name was, let me, I don't want to butcher his name. It's Kayotaka Surasaki. Now, if uh, you viewers out there know who that is, he's a uh, pretty well-known Japanese death photographer. So he'd go where people either commit a suicide oh that forest right yeah like the forest or like just run down areas like poor cities he would just go there and be that photographer for abandoned places and uh, just dead people he would take pictures of them and he went into uh, he started doing like these documentary style films and he made a few of them but the one that really stuck out was Orozco the Embalmer so basically the, the Japanese director went to Bogota Colombia in the late 90s and if you're not familiar Bogota Colombia during the 90s was under a lot of terrorism and just a lot of like drug cartels taking over. It was it was a mess. And the film basically shows the the whole life and the workday of uh, this guy Frolian Orozco. And he's the embalmer in one of the poorest and one of the most crime ridden uh, parts of Bogota. And uh, literally, like it's 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 camcorder style. So if you remember, like like SVHS yeah. or um, Hi Eight. So it was filmed on cameras like that. It's literally like just this guy's life every single day. He goes, he makes his own coffee at home. He walks to his little shack. It's it's literally like a shack uh, where he does the embalmings and uh, the funeral preparations but literally there's dead bodies in the streets there's t- and, and this is all real too so that's why some people may want to watch it some people might not but it's in your face it's all real and uh there, there's just like of them walking down and someone will have like their throat slit or their head a lot of heads uh chopped off because that's what the cartel does you know and they just yeah. go in there and start interrogating people and chopping their heads off and and there's always people staring so there's like people and kids all just kind of staring around the dead body street and orozco just kind of goes there and smokes he's like yeah this is fine all right, back to work. Like, there's dead bodies, and he's, like, literally cutting open the bodies. And uh, there's even, like, a pregnant woman. I'm looking at that right now. And he cuts it out, and he pulls the baby out. Yeah, it's a very, very shocking movie, but uh, it's not mean-spirited or anything like that. So if you're a fan of films like, uh, you know, the original Faces of Death, like, hardcore documentary-style films, then this is a movie for you. I watched it... I've watched it twice, and it's it's still always stuck with me. I, I recently showed it to my sister last Christmas when she came back from South Korea, and uh, she loves it. But she's like, she's like, man, this is this is disgusting. So, but then again, we were kids that grew up with the infamous Rotten.com. So, if you're familiar with Rotten.com, oh, been there, done that, yeah. 
Yeah. So if you're into these kind of like documentary style, uh, just not even necessarily documentary because they're not really talking about like what it's it just every the regular life. So if you want to see someone's life throughout the uh, course of a few years, the movie's only 90 minutes. But uh, no, it's, it's shocking. There's it's just close ups on the bodies. A lot of it, like, the, the area is so poor. It makes you feel like, man, I guess I got it good over here. Even if you are living in kind of a poor environment here, it's nowhere like Bogota, Colombia was. And, and so it's a very eye opening film. And uh, the sad thing is Orozco, you really get to like him. And I believe it was his brother that uh, was working with him, too. But uh, everyone went to him for the embalming. And he, I think he said like each each embalming or each funeral preparation was 60 bucks. What? So that's pretty cheap. Yeah, that's pretty cheap. And people thought that was expensive. That's a fucking bargain if I've ever heard of one. Yeah, but no, you see it in print. Like it's places like it looks like Jason's uh, shack. The body's on the table, cuts him up. It sounds like 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 fat swishy. Like and and you just see everything uh, in his shack. Then he once the time's up, he seals everything up, clocks out, takes his coffee, and goes home. And, and the thing is, after when this movie was made, he died. I think he he yeah he died in real life during production. So it was kind of you know it's crazy seeing him doing all this stuff and at the end it's like oh he didn't even he's he's done like 50,000 or 60,000 embalmings and preparations and yet he he never got any of that himself they just kind of disposed of his body because they're like oh well he died so we can't do anything with him how just insane yeah see I didn't want to bring down the mood but oh no it's this is fascinating <laughs> this is this is what like a horror fans version of Jiro dreams of sushi is right because mm-hmm. it's, it's just a guy in his life this is his area of expertise well, I'm looking here did you know that there was a stop motion animation like parody of it i did not know that who did that that guy that does the uh i think he does like orion claymation now yeah this one it's just called true gore art and i found it on vimeo where it's just a guy doing action figures and recreating a rose co the embalmer like let me tell you doug we've covered some niche stuff you have personally been a treasure trove of niche stuff but there is an audience right this guy has more views and listens and downloads than we do on some of our stuff so i'm gonna tell you i'm, I'm into this a Rosco the embalmer. Yeah, like I said, I it was a blind buy when I saw it because I, I was friends with the guy who ran Massacre Video for a bit, and I, he was recently Orozco. He's like, oh, you should get it because this movie's been extremely hard to find. And then for like the, I used to go to the, uh, Cinema Wasteland and a bunch of like all these places with the you know the extreme VHS collectors of the obscure Orozco. I was I remember that tape. Uh, if you had the original tape from like the late '90s, early 2000s, people uh, would pay 400, 500 bucks for that. It was extremely rare. Holy shit! So they released shit. it on DVD, and that's why I kind of like I'm like, oh yeah. I mean, it's and the DVD's out of print now too, I believe, and that's why I didn't want to talk about it until I saw it on Google Play. So you could rent it for like three ninety nine, but it's worth it. It's one of the most like in your face. You you won't see a documentary like that. And the thing is, like I said, I watched it one time and it stuck with me. And then I just watched it recently last Christmas uh, when my sister came over. So and now she's like, she's like, I want to watch that movie again. I really liked it, <laughs> but it, but it's disgusting. So I mean, that's totally fine. I think that that's like there's definitely an audience for it. Now the way that you're talking about it, because you mentioned in your face, is it is overt in that way is it like almost provocative or is it just like because of the subject matter and what he's doing is in your face oh it, well it, it's definitely because of the subject matter like uh it, i guess not really exploitation because the director is like a death photographer but what i mean is like it's it's unflinching like for example say you're driving down a highway and you see a, a car wreck and the people's brains are all exploded everywhere yeah you know what i mean it, and you could cut away or you know most movies would cut away or like get shots of the people looking but no it's it's always like lingering and so it's unflinching you know what i mean it's like oh i can't look Oh, it's still there. Just, okay. Gotcha. You know, so it, it's not salacious in that. It's it's not like Howard Stern where he's like egging them on, like trying to get them to be gross. This is just kind of slice of life videography. Oh, it is. Yeah. What well, what's crazy is it's just like extreme hot to extreme cold. So, for example, I you know Orozco and then his brother, they're so used to seeing all this stuff, and it's so shocking for the viewers. So when he's literally walking, he's walking around with his coffee to work, smoking a cigarette, and you know there's a dead body on the floor, and all these people are just kind of staring around the dead body in the street, and uh, he's just kind of walking. I was like, oh, yeah, oh, all right, off to work. Yeah, that reminds me of Yojimbo. Have you ever heard of that movie? Yojimbo. I have not, actually. So have you heard of A Fistful of Dollars or Last Man Standing? Oh, yeah, Fistful. Of, yeah, I've heard of those ones. Okay, so A Fistful of Dollars is Sergio Leone and Clint Eastwood recreating Yojimbo. And then Last Man Standing is Bruce Willis creating Fistful of Dollars. But the way that they establish that this Ronin, like the, the town he's getting to is all fucked up and how they establish that you know it, it's lawless and it's chaos is a dog walks up to the Ronin and just drops a human hand at his feet because there's just that many bodies around that a dog can just, you know, 
pluck it from the ether. Uh, so, it, you know, it's an old school black and white Japanese film. Super, super good. Really, really enjoy it. I uh, highly recommend it. But it seems like sounds like the same kind of thing where it just, but in real life, like imagine yeah. being that desensitized. People say that like Doom and Marilyn Manson made people desensitized. It's like, no, like if you want to see real desensitization, you can go in this era in 2020 and still see some of this stuff, which is insane. Yeah. And, and what's crazy too, because um, my girlfriend, she's from Peru and growing up in the 90s when she was there, basically in Lima, it was kind of the same thing. It wasn't nearly as poor or as you know terrorist filled um, as, as Bogota, Colombia was back then. But she she tells me, she's like, oh, that's how it was in the poor areas. Like you, there's some areas you just do not, if you're a tourist, you do not want to go anywhere near these areas. So what's eye-opening is it's like, you know, you don't want to fly to this area and, and go there with a camera and stuff. It's like, because everyone warns you against it. So it's kind of like your vision into this area that you're not supposed to be in. Yeah, that makes sense. strongly recommend. So it's so it's very uh, interesting. And for $3.99 on Google Play, it's totally worth it. You know? <laughs> and it almost sounds like it makes it feel more important because you have that kind of understanding of the consequence of it. Like if this you know videographer, uh, Saki were to you know go there, he's subject to being kidnapped, killed, or having his stuff stolen. So it was so important to him that he traversed the globe from Japan just to get a glimpse at this guy's life, which is somewhat innocuous, but then made special because of this film, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly, because that's exactly what Orozco is. He was just an everyday worker, and uh, you know, he uh, the director was able to come down and kind of make him in, you know, make him live on even after he's dead. And now this documentary is starting to get a little more steam because I see more people talking about it. I'm like, huh. So people are now finally looking at Orozco. And so I guess, you know, if you're looking for another movie this Halloween, or if you just kind of want, you know, Orozco's a good pick. Uh, another crazy thing, too, if you get the DVD, and he also made some other films. I know, like, uh, I know there's a compilation called Junk Films, uh, but there's some shorts that he filmed. Honestly, like, I, I watched his short one time. There's some parts where I'm just like, I, I can't, I have to, like, fast forward because it's even, like, nasty for me. But he traveled to India, and just the vision here, it's, it's crazy, but uh, if you watch it, he traveled to India, and apparently what they do for uh, family ceremonies and stuff, like when, you know, family members died or a lot of people died, what they do is if they don't want to get them buried or if they don't want to get them cremated, what they do is they get all the bodies, strip them of their clothes, and they're all, all the bodies are like black loaded, you know, and they have like their eyes pudging out and they're just, they've, they've been sitting for a while. What they do is they get their lips, they stick like food, like, like apples and just food in their mouths and stitch up their lips and they close up their eyes and they like pile the bodies on top of it and all the vultures come in and just start picking and ripping oh the bodies up. Oh my god. Yeah, and it's all, it's like in one of his short films that's in the bonus features. I'm like, this is, fu-. and I watched that once and I'm like, I wanted to throw up, but like, man, it's just, it, it's crazy, but you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm I'm all for, you know, exploring like other cultures and stuff, but that was one thing I'm like, oh, like, oh my god, I, this is hard to watch. To a certain extent, this kind of stuff, like you said, is important because it makes you appreciate life. I and mean, that's one of the things that's so funny to me when people like talk to me about my veganism or atheism or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what is, it's, is it like nothing matters? And it's like, no, everything matters. Everything matters so much. Mm-hmm. Like, that's one of the reasons why I love horror. You're literally dealing with the highest of stakes. So at the end of the day, like you said, Jason Voorhees' cabin, you know, it, like this, watching this kind of experience, you should be so lucky. Like what? Your day is shitty because you got 50 emails? You literally could have an arrow shoved through your neck by an old cranky woman in a turtleneck because her son drowned in a lake. Like life is pretty mm-hmm. good. And I think that it, this kind of stuff helps because I'm looking at some of the imagery and it's, it's intense, dude. Oh, yeah. Well, even the trailer, because there's a trailer on YouTube. I'd say avoid that because it, it, it looks makes it look boring. Like it just shows buildings and stuff. But uh, like I said, if you're into the uh, just the areas that like, like, say, for example, you wanted to go to Brazil and people are like, oh, you do not want to go to this town because they will chop your head off and stick it on a stick. Well, it's in an area like that. So, <laughs> you know. Well, I'm also very grateful to you for recommending this because now that I've looked it up, I've looked up his newest book from 2018 called Death Photography 1994 to 2011. And now maybe Amazon will stop trying to sell me. What is this? costume cat coloring book because my <laughs> wife looks for my daughter's activities through Amazon. So that'll be interesting. Oh, yeah. Well, hopefully you don't get the wrong thing. It's like, I already knew the cat, you know, the, the, oh, the emoji movie. I got you the emoji <laughs> movie and it's the Roscoe the Embalmer. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> definitely going to leave some scars. Yeah. So that's my that's my strong recommendation for this week here. And I think, like I said, it's very strong content, but it'll open your eyes to other cultures and basically the poorer areas. And what I like, too, is if you get more... 
maybe if you take edibles or, or you know what I mean? Or like if you do something when you're watching this movie, it'll make it go into like this third. It's like, it's like, okay, life sucks. But this guy Orozco just seems to be doing, you know, whatever you, when you think your life sucks, you could be in a Orozco situation and not even get a proper, you know, funeral when you've been doing all these bodies for your whole career. So that's crazy. And that isn't that like the cruel joke of fate. Here's this guy who his whole life has done this. And then I mean, that's the definition of irony. I would say take notes, Alanis, Morissette but uh, yeah that's intense <laughs> yeah so well that that's my recommendation so Rosco the Embalmer you can buy the blue or the DVD I believe it's out of print the VHS forget that uh, unless you got a fortune 500 or <laughs> uh yeah or Google Play for 399 to rent it it would make so. me so happy if that's what Jeff Bezos was doing with all of his COVID money is buying every copy of this on VHS oh yeah scalping it to the collectors yeah I could see him doing that just because yeah. he's cruel well are you ready for my pick it's not near as cool as yours yours is so niche and awesome mine is relatively innocuous by comparison no no mine, mine's just kind of like i said i wasn't going to talk about it until i saw it was on you know on platform streaming platforms <laughs> which is important you know we've talked about that on the show where we always want to make sure that the content we're talking about is accessible because you know we never want to alienate people we want to enlighten people we want this to be more mm-hmm. of a book club now where we're introducing you and if you're so inclined go for it or if you're happy to just hear us talk about it i mean you know because being perfectly frank i know a lot of people would be like no that's way too rich for my blood but i know a lot of people who just the intrigue of seeing somebody like all work sucks right that's mm-hmm. what I think is funny about that show dirty jobs all jobs suck all jobs are quote unquote dirty because if they weren't you wouldn't have to get fucking paid to do it so everybody's experience is relative so to see this guy you know getting up in the morning being like time to make the donuts but the donuts happen to be disemboweling dead pregnant women like it's just it's interesting at the very least it might not be i mean hopefully people aren't watching that and beating off or something crazy but you know what i mean so (laughs) yeah mine is very boring have you heard of blood machines blood machines yes that's the one that has brad dorif in it right i think that's the one right no that's death machines exactly okay okay no intrigue me on blood machines i'm sure i've heard of it before so the description on the website two space hunters are tracking down a machine trying to free itself after taking it down they witness a mystical phenomenon the ghost of a young woman pulls itself out of the machine as if the spaceship had a soul trying to understand the nature of this entity they start chasing the woman through space Hmm. You into it? Yeah. And where's this on Shudder? This is on Shudder. You can also buy copies of it directly through the website. So the Shudder is how I ended up finding it. I will be honest. This is very tenuously horror. You know, some of the imagery is a little bit grotesque, kind of. But I mean, nothing like embalming. But what I the reason I like this is conceptual horror. Going all the Hmm. way back to the pilot episode of this show with Event Horizon, you know, Event Horizon that was filmed was nasty event horizon that we got was more conceptual because of censorship and i i love conceptual things and so in in the vastness of pathos and ethos and the expanse of space and what it is to be human there's a lot of really cool questions that came out of watching this that i enjoyed but that's also coming from a guy with a blade runner tattoo so you might not trust me (laughs) (laughs) i trust you so it was released may 21st this year and it was written and directed by by, quote unquote Seth Ickerman. Now that isn't a person. Seth is a collective of two French directors, Rafael Hernandez and Savitri Jolie Gonfard. Now I did enough research to find their names, but not enough research to figure out how the fuck to pronounce it. And I am not sorry about it. So these guys have been working together for over a decade at this point, and they were actually approached by a musician, Carpenter Brute. And in 2016, they did a music video for a song called Turbo Killer. What's really unique about that, there wasn't a song Turbo Killer that he then went to them and was like, yo, dog, make me a music video. He goes to them and says, I really love your art. Can we do something together? So as they're conceptualizing and doing this music video, he's coming up with the music so it's so collaborative. And so this Mm. entire 50-minute feature is a sequel to a music video. Have you ever heard of such a thing? 
No, that would be the first for me. <laughs> yeah, I really love it. I, I always am very keen on this stuff where people can take special effects and make them just look amazing. Like, because again, it goes to, to concept, right? This this movie looks fake. It's There's no question about it. Everything looks fake. Everything looks green screen. But it is so well done. The layer upon, because you can watch a making of on Vimeo, the layer upon layer upon layer that they're doing to make things look authentic, to make them look lived in, to make them look just not sterile. I mean, Jesus Christ, this film was completely crowdfunded. So it was made with 117,539 euros through Kickstarter. And Kickstarter takes a significant portion of that money. For frame of reference, US dollars, you're looking at 128 grand. Mm. To compare, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides from 2011 was shot on an estimated budget of $379 million, which means this movie had 0.03% of that budget. And it's awesome. Wow. Probably better than uh, the last uh, Pirates of the Caribbean too. <laughs> yeah, I, no doubt at all. And so these guys, you know, kind of made a name for themselves doing something called Kedara, which was basically just a movie in the Matrix universe, right? And it, that's almost like a proof of concept, which gets them to the point of Turbo Killer, which is a proof of concept, which gets them to this, which is a proof of context, a concept so that they can get to like a feature length film. It reminds me so much of the hierarchy of movies like Turbo Kid, which started off as a short or Kung Fury, which started off as a short. And just that like grit ingenuity of just kind of figuring it out. Oh man, it makes me happy. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I mean, they should, I wish they would do more stuff like that. Cause one of my favorite movies is Hobo with a shotgun. There and you that go. started off as like a fake trailer, you know, Rutger Hauer. So, there you go. Rutger that goes Hauer, back to yeah. Blade Runner. Yeah, see? So make fake trailers and, you know, you could get funding easily for it. <laughs> well, yeah, and you as a f like young filmmaker, I mean, does that excite you, the opportunity? Like, that you could just make something as, as an idea and let the internet have it. You're not going to put thousands of dollars into marketing. It's just if the internet decides, that's what you do. And if not, you just dispense with that idea and move on to the next. Yeah, it just takes off. I mean, shit. Well, not, I just got upgraded to the Note 20. Yeah. The camera on this, uh, it's better than my, my uh, Rebel T2 DSLR. I'm like, I should. I should film another movie on this thing. You should. We should do that. Yeah. We should you definitely. Could, you could do pro settings. Yeah. So when we do something, I'll probably use this thing here. Uh, honestly, it'll be easier to use than my DSLR because you can do manual settings. Uh, you could do, you could rack focus with zoom. So I'm like, shit, this is easier to do than the other my fucking camera I have. Yeah. And with After Effects being as they are nowadays, it's really, I mean, if, if your computer's decent enough to render, you can make anything. And, you know, that, it's uh, it blows my mind all the time. So uh, yeah. if you're looking for, to kind of like get what the vibe of the presentation is like, the directors themselves compared it to Drive, Blade Runner, The Driver, Mad Max, Rocky, and the Sergio Leone films. Uh, so it does kind of have that Star Wars, Firefly. This is the future, but like I said, it's a lived-in future. Things are dirty. Things are used. There's a reference to Metropolis, which is beautiful. I really enjoyed mm. the aesthetic of it because that's what this is. Is. This is all visual. The storytelling is a narrative. It's not storytelling through dialogue or through character performance. It's through the construct of what's happening. So everything that kind of happens in it is almost tangential to the point in a weird way. But hey, that's French cinema for you, right? Oh, yeah. French very uh, cinema verite. There we so. go. So <laughs> to getting to the concept of these two guys like working together, I also thought it was really interesting. And I know we have lots of aspiring filmmakers that listen to this show. Uh, so Raphael had said, quote, Seth Ickerman is basically a fictional character we've invented that regroups both of our personalities. Our films aren't by Raphael and Savitri, but by Seth Ickerman. It embodies both of our creative minds. If one of us decided to make the film on his own, it wouldn't be signed Seth Ickerman. We each have our own skills, and even though we may not always agree, we manage to make movies that resemble both of us. Ideally, if we were to forget that there's two of us and believe that Seth is real, that he would be great. As directors, we like the idea of blurring the lines between reality and fiction it's kind of what we do we create a story and bring our audience in our world I mean, let's be honest, using a pseudonym for two people, it's kind of pompous as shit. But the way they did it, I'm, I'm like super on board and into this. Oh, sounds good. Now you you piqued my interest on it. <laughs> I mean, are there any like online shorts that you enjoy that you'd recommend to anybody? Like, I'm a huge fan of shortoftheweek.com. Anything Short like that? Uh, let's see. I, I haven't really paid much attention to shorts here recently. So with Short of the Week, some of the ones that I like finding on there, and these are all like most of these exact same thing with 
the way that like, Turbo Killer became this or the way that Turbo Kid became uh, the feature length movie. I think that almost all of the horror section of Short of the Week could be made into full length films. And it's almost one of the beautiful elements that it's not like the fact that these things are short because it, it makes it mean more and seems less like a product and more like a an artistic expression. Right. Mm. And so one of my all time favorite shorts is We Summoned a Demon. Is that the one where, where um, was that the one with like Bigfoot that rapes a girl? Is that the one I'm thinking about? No, this one is two guys in a warehouse who are like kind of heavy metal posers. It almost feels like a spiritual successor to the gate and they're summoning a demon and then it actually works and they have to like reconcile like what they're supposed to do. Uh, it's only six minutes long, but it's absolutely delightful. And it's one of those things where, you know, if, if Chris McEnroy wanted to go make a full length film, I'd be all about it. But if he wants to keep it like this, like I'm also really into that and it makes me happy. Ooh, okay. Well, I'll have to check that out then. So shorts of the week. Let's see. He also did certainly Death Metal, which is pretty damn funny. And he did uh, One Time in the Woods, uh, Bad Guy Number Two. He's done a lot of short films, and I, I'm really into it, especially selfishly like, as a dad who has like a job and shit. I don't have time to dedicate to you know 45 minutes to an hour. Oh yeah, that's another sales pitch for Blood Machines. 50 minutes, and it's in three parts. I mean, you you should be so fucking lucky, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, now 50 minutes in three parts. So damn, that's yeah, that's pretty good. So they made an, like a an episodic thing instead of a full movie. Yeah, and I think it pads a little bit with the way that the music comes in and out, but I, I appreciate that. You know, if a movie doesn't need to be three hours, it doesn't need to be three hours. Like, I watched There Will Be Blood once. Will I ever watch it? Nah. I don't even remember what that movie was last year. Everybody was talking about the Scorsese flick from Netflix. Irishman something? Never saw the it. Irishman, yeah. I don't have four hours. Why would I want to spend four hours on that when I could watch 50 shorts? Yeah, exactly. So if Irishman was four fucking hours? I didn't know that. I think it was <laughs> three and change or something like that but like I, mm. I don't have the patience for it there's like one movie i like that's over three hours and that's the good the bad and the ugly mm. but they give you intermission and stuff like that if you saw it in the theater absolutely <laughs> and i think it's yeah. important because that intermission serves where if you want to come back the next day i mean it works very well as a two-part film if i'm honest but that's just me yeah and, and that's the thing too i'm glad you feel the same because i uh, like when i saw once upon a time in hollywood like all these tarantino films uh. are just overly long i'm like what the fuck and people are like oh my god it's the greatest cinematic masterpiece ever like i went to go see hateful eight which i liked but there's no reason for it to be three hours you know what i mean or the fact that they're expanding it to be like a six-part netflix thing you've heard about that right yeah i went to go see that in the theater it was three fucking hours and i watched it i think it was like the midnight movie oh so, god yeah it was bad and then you get 40 minutes of trailers so i was i didn't get home till like 4 a.m yeah i don't know like i understand that some movies and motifs are in that vibe but there's also killer westerns that are super short so it really just goes to the substance of the content. And that's what I like about shorts is it's just distilled. You know, it's mm-hmm. like journalism. There are people who want the magazine style expose that's 20,000 words or whatever. And there's people who want the periodical where, you know, it's written in third grade English, but you get all the information as quickly as possible. Unless I'm inherently invested in the topic, I'm not picking up that magazine. I'm not going to explore that way. I'll explore with the newspaper and invest as little as possible. And then if I want, I might expand but especially it's a huge gamble for me to try something new by by this point i had seen a music video and i gambled 50 minutes of my life and it worked out mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. no fall no harm <laughs> not in that short amount of time yeah and honestly like if it had sucked oh well i would have stopped after the first what 15 minutes and i never mm-hmm. would have talked about this again but i liked it enough to talk about it on our bullshit little podcast all right well yeah i mean that's that's cool there so i'll try to think of some shorts i know i have something in here but like i said once once you get talking up probably jog my memory again <laughs> oh yeah so doug i've had a lot of fun with the new format i really appreciate you helping me and, and being alongside me on this journey because it, it's really funny to me like life you huge changes are generally born of necessity right i yeah. re- recently with like the coronavirus pandemic my office is now entirely paperless because we just like didn't have a choice and what you and i recorded for the pilot episode that went out last week was a proof of concept to see if we liked this idea but then losing four episodes it was like this is just the way it is and it's kind of fun like i I haven't felt like i was flying by the seat of my pants on this show in quite a long time so i'm really excited about it 
Ah, well, thank you very much for having me on. And I like these little bite-sized episodes, too, because it really helps the, uh, I don't know, much more consumable. Because that's what I said. People listen to it when they're driving to work, taking the dog out, and uh, it, it much more accessible that way. They can get a lot more info in a very little amount of time. Yeah, and honestly, like, if you'd want us to do just talky episodes where Doug and I, like, just get to know each other better, or where we talk about one topic very consistently or thoroughly, like we did with The Shining or whatever, let us know. Always very responsive. You can find us at slashespod at gmail.com, Instagram, which is at slashespod, Twitter at slashespod, slasher app at slashespod, Facebook at slashespod. The only place where we're not is YouTube where it's at slashespodcast, but I'm basically done with YouTube for now just because it's dumb. Uh, here's a, a fun thing. Don't have a Spanish algorithm take down my shit and expect I won't come at you with a legal brief. Literally happened to us on an episode recently. They, they like some automated bullshit did a copyright strike, and YouTube was like, "Oh, it's on your thing. You have to go to copyright school." And I was like, "You motherfucker! I'm a hundred thousand dollars in debt because I went to copyright school." So wait, they said you have to go to copyright school, so it's like a traffic school now that they make you do. Yeah, otherwise you have a copyright strike on your account. You get three strikes. They take your entire account down. Jesus Christ! Dude, YouTube <laughs> is so anti-producer now. It's ridiculous. I was watching this thing online where a 10-year-old guitar channel that had over 100 million views got taken down for copyright with no specific explanation, no specific reference, no specific citation to anything. It just took his shit. And that was the guy's life and livelihood. Like, luckily, you and I, this is not how we're making our money, I'll be honest with you. Mm -hmm. But like, with the copyright strike against me, I had a copyright strike because they said that I copy or I had infringed on a movie. They didn't tell me what substance. And I'll tell you what, there wasn't a single quote. There wasn't a, there was nothing. It was because I, there, of the keywords of the film. That's all it was. And they were, that was enough to unilaterally let some algorithm notify YouTube and some YouTube algorithm just immediately put it all on me. And it's like, in my legal field, dude, I sue for costs and expenses. I sue for legal litigation expense. So with mm -hmm. my hour of time preparing my basically brief that I sent over to YouTube, I was dead serious. If they weren't in Spain, if they lived in California, I would sue the fucking balls off of them. And so how did that go or is that still in uh, kind of a battle right now? Oh, I won easily. But it's just like, oh, why good. am I going to subject myself to doing that again? Nah, it's not worth it. Oh, see, you know, hey, you can get some big money doing that. You know, the right, the wrong thing uh, takes flags you and takes you down. Seriously. It's a multi-billion dollar corporation. And they're like, they'll probably say like, oh, here's here's 10 million. Shh. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, shit. well, it's a lot like what these patent trolls do and everything. So I don't know. I'm getting worked up over nothing because I think only like 5% of our listening audience used YouTube and we haven't really done video and it doesn't look like video is going to be on the immediate horizon with COVID. But given the fact that we have an aspiring filmmaker with the show now, uh, things might change. We don't know. We'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah, Like I said, I want to get you involved with uh, the next uh, film I do and, and vice versa. Like I said, I'm, I'm really happy to be on this show. It's quite an honor. I've always loved uh, trying to give people more knowledge of, of just some oddball stuff here and there. And what's awesome about you being on the show is you know, you and I don't have any like longstanding friendship. We didn't grow up together. We found each other through Slack. And it's just, yeah. it, it's a nice mutual thing where I wouldn't say either of us are necessarily like in that fan zone of one another. It's a, like a mutual respect. I appreciate the content that you've always created. You've appreciated ours. And so it's a very synergistic thing where us coming together seems really seamless. But I don't, I, I'm very into that where it's just this kind of copacetic thing. Yeah. And I remember the first time I met, met you and I believe it was Brian and producer Chad um, was at the... Long Beach Convention Center, I, yep. I think that was, yeah. Midsummer Scream. Yeah, Midsummer Scream. Crazy to think that that doesn't, I mean, it was, you know, that uh, was only a year ago that we were there and now where we are now just doesn't exist, which is bizarre. But hey, that's what happens when people want to be dickheads and not wear masks. Yeah, <laughs> man, it's getting crazy. Today I had a deal with something like that at work. So like, like, uh, like you were saying, we kind of have our regular daily jobs and this is kind of like our little fun piece at the end. So yeah, the daily jobs suck. I think that's more of a horror than a lot of these movies we watch here. Yeah, truly. So. And honestly, like I love the act of research and all that. And it's such a relief. And honestly, thank you all to the fans. And thank you, like I said, especially for the whole new journey, because it means a lot that we can now expand. Because you know, while it's exciting to research a movie and leave no stone unturned from a movie I've seen 50 times since the 90s, it's also like super exciting to find something new and be like, ah, this is my new toy. I want to 
see if I can impress Doug and a bunch of people who I'd never mm-hmm. met before. Uh, so thanks, gang. Well, thank you very much. Now I'm going to have to go check out Blood Machines. There, so. And I'm going to have to check out Orozco the Embalmer. Yeah, like I said, don't eat anything before you watch it. <laughs> or do, you know, if, if you're into that kind of thing. Or just have the Orozco special coffee and cigarettes. <laughs> there you go. That's the uh, yeah. Laura Flynn Boyle diet plan, if I'm uh, making the topical reference. Anyway, uh, for Laura Doug... <laughs> For Doug, my name is Jake saying goodbye and good die. Good die. Good night. Testing. Walla walla bing bong. Hey yo. Oh shit, this is the hidden track for Slashers, because I'm not re-recording now that I know I can record directly into my laptop. Hey, thanks for cutting out the step where I record it onto a free app that insists on showing me ads on my phone, then emailing it to myself, then downloading it, then putting it on. You know, I just really love bashing my head against a wall to get mediocre results. Uh, The antithesis of a mediocre result is this week's hidden track, Weirwolf from Germany. But they are very cordial and polite in introducing themselves because they drop the apostrophe and replace it with an A. So it is We Are Wolf Germany. Uh, So if you go to Instagram.com, it's We Are Wolf Band. If you go to Facebook, it's We Are Wolf Germany. Germany, and if you continue listening to this, you'll listen to We Are Wolf with our song, Destroy. Uh, That's me speaking in the royal We Are Wolf scenario here. Uh, Please support them. My wife is sighing, so we better get back to the TV on Hulu. Uh, Stay safe, and I love you all. Goodbye. Now she looks upset that I called her out.
testing. It's reading, but it's not recording.